Um, we're going to pray at the end of service, and I'm going to want Brother Rolf to come when we do. And just uh, we have cards that we still have people's names on. We pray over, and uh, God has really done a work there in so many, so many different lives. How many of you think that God, God hears and answers prayer? I think He does. You're just holding somebody's name up. But if you, if you could remember some of these, um, Noah Grant, we're still praying for his eye, and I know Mom and Dad are interested in that. And then Hobart. Brother Stevens came through his procedure well, but today he's been very nauseated, very sick. So if you just pray for Brother Hobart, I know they would appreciate that. And then on a little more serious note, Donna Eden's 25% of her heart um, is, only, is only functioning and, and uh, in a lot of pain. So if you'd pray for Miss Donna and uh, Bill McMahon has cancer surgery Friday. And so he'll have surgery there at the VA hospital. They're asking you to pray about that. R.B. Willette, definitely been a friend of our church. Um, he has stage three throat cancer. And um, so he's going to preach, he said, until he just, you know, until they feel like he can. And then they're going to see what they can do about that. So he's still in good spirits. And then Brenda Bolt, Brenda Bolt, um, on top of having some heart issues, they've discovered a mass behind her lung. And the pathology is, is uh, still kind of out on that as to exactly what that is altogether. But uh, they definitely want you to pray for them. And then probably even on a more serious note, Brother Davy Hayward is uh, looking at surgery on his foot. And they were supposed to have met yet to, uh, tomorrow, but I think it's going to be Friday. And um, they're debating on whether or not they're going to have to take that foot. And you can imagine what that would be, or maybe you can't, but if you could think in your mind what that would be um, and how he would be thinking towards that end. So they're going to do some tests and uh, conversation on Friday, if you'd pray for him. And then Ron Gatlin's daughter, Rachel, um, passed away suddenly. And um, Saturday, the reason we're going to move our uh, grouping together of the Blitz for our VBS is because they're going to have the funeral here at 10 o'clock on Saturday. Brother Gatlin has taught in the Bible College for many years. He's been a friend of Tabernacle Baptist Church for many years. And uh, this is not the first child that they have had to bury. This is the second child. And I don't, I don't know anything about that. I just know this, that they're heavy hearts, so if you'd pray for them, they'll have a viewing here at 10 o'clock, so all of our people that'll be engaged in going out, those that'll be taking care of uh, any last-minute things about VBS, just remember we'll have a, a viewing in here at 10, a service at 11, Brother Dan Eshman will be preaching that, and um, by the way, I, I don't know if you, have, if you could see what I see, maybe you don't, but, but the, the Eshmans are color-coordinated tonight in very vivid style, and um, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. But he'll be speaking there at the funeral, 11 o'clock, and then at noon, they'll have a meal there. And the reason they're going to have it here is they've had a problem with lights at the church where Brother Gatlin pastors, and then there are several people that are coming. So I, I, I just went ahead and told them it'd be all right to be able to have that here. Um, anybody that loves the Lord and serves the Lord, we want to be kind to if we can. And uh, so we want to do that for them. And then I know the, the Strattons, there's a, there's a lot of uh, concern over the little baby that they've had. And um, I know that it's probably difficult for even Jeannie to be here tonight and affect their whole family. So I, I don't, I'm not going to go into details, but I'm just going to ask you to please pray for them. 
I know that they would much appreciate that. And uh, just a whole lot there to pray about and uh, a whole lot of things that we could mention that we haven't mentioned. But uh, if you just please be in prayer for those things, if you'll remember those things. You know, we have a prayer list we put out. That's to help you remember. Anybody have a problem forgetting? I'm just curious. Who in here does not have a problem forgetting? Because I'm going to come see you after service. Whoever you are, I need to know. Are, are you amazed sometimes at somebody that can remember people's names, their, all their children, their grandchildren, their relations and all that after only meeting you one time? Does that ever amaze you? I, I, I don't have that problem. Um, but uh, I, we have those lists to help remind you. And tonight we're just emphasizing some things. We have other people that are traveling. I can't even tell you all the people that are moving around on the mission field, going to Africa, Mexico, other places. But we have a whole lot of that going on as well. So our church, our church doesn't just send missionaries and doesn't just support missionaries. We have people that go to the mission field from here. And uh, we appreciate that. So if you would, if you just be in prayer for these things, all right? All right, take your Bible tonight and go, if you would, to Ephesians. That's where we're going to start, Ephesians. Ephesians, I believe I want chapter 4. Thank you, Brother Scott. Thank you, Brother Scott. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, um, we've been talking about foundations. And the last thing that we talked about, the church foundations, the, the acronym Baptist, why we're Baptist, B, the Bible is our final authority. And uh, then we went to A, autonomy of the local church. I had somebody come to me and say, Preacher, could we change that A to appetite instead? Because Baptists like to eat. And, uh, but I, I, we, we mentioned many things. And one of the things we mentioned was the letter I, immersion of believers. How many of you have been baptized? Would you raise your hand? How many of you think you could have a conversation with somebody and show them a handful of verses that prove that baptism is not necessary for salvation? I would hope you can. We are Baptists, and the word Baptist is related to baptism. And if you look there in Ephesians chapter 4, there's something that I think important for you to note. This is probably not where I would normally begin speaking about baptism, but that's what I want to do tonight. If you look at the Bible says this in verse number 4. There is one body, that's the church, and one spirit, that's the Holy Ghost. Even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. Look at verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. These seven ones that are written here are not telling you that there's only one in occurrence, but there is one in order. In other words, they are the number one. So when we read the word in verse number five, one Lord, have you ever read in the Bible where it says that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords? Yes. All right, so there are a lot of other little Lords, but when you get right down to it, there's only one Lord of Lord, that's Jesus Christ. All right. When you look at the Bible, it says one faith. Well, there are all kinds of people that tell you they have faith. But there's only one faith in the Bible that is in an order of importance, and that is faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That faith is the saving faith. Now, and if you look what he says then in verse number 5, one baptism, just one. Now, there are more than one baptisms in Matthew chapter 3 when you find Jesus being baptized. 
Jesus is the first person named in the New Testament as far as being baptized. You don't have baptism in the Old Testament. What you have in the Old Testament, you have a labor where people washed, and you have Naaman. Naaman that dipped seven times. And if we were to follow that as a picture of baptism, we'd have to get baptized seven times to be in, and that's not what we have to do. Uh, it's just one time. And all I'm saying is, when you get to the New Testament, Jesus Christ is baptized, but it has nothing to do with salvation. All right, nothing to do with salvation. And so when we as Baptists believe in baptism, there is a reason that we hold to what we believe baptism is important for. This baptism in verse number five has nothing to do with water. Baptism in the water cannot put you into the body of Christ. Now, there are people that believe that. There are a number of people that believe in what we call baptismal regeneration, Acts 2.38. It is not prevalent here in our area, but where I pastored for so long, Church of Christ believe you have to repent, confess, believe, and be baptized in their church to be saved. That salvation does not come from faith, it comes from repenting, confessing, believing, and being baptized. Well, this one baptism, in order of importance right here, has nothing to do with water. You say, well, what baptism is that? Well, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you listening to me? For by one Spirit are ye all baptized in the one body. There are people that believe in baptismal regeneration. My answer to that would be this. Acts 16.31, when that Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. No mention of baptism, no mention of water whatsoever. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So, brethren, here's what I tell you. Whether you've been baptized or not, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're born again and you're a part of the body of Christ. All right, now, but then there are people that believe that that spiritual baptism, that there is some kind of second work of grace, that being baptized with the Holy Ghost has something to do with speaking in tongues and has something to do with some means or some expression outwardly about the Spirit of God touching your life. Now, I don't debate that there were signs in the Gospels to prove the unwritten Word of God. In other words, there were people in the Gospels that were able to take and to take up deadly serpents and have nothing happen to them. Aren't you glad that that doesn't belong to you and I today? Right? All right. There were people that were able to heal. There were people that spoke in tongues. Those tongues were languages. Acts 2 is very clear in that. They spoke in other tongues. All right? And then there are people that interpreted those tongues. And all I'm saying is there's, without question, there are gifts that prove the unwritten Word of God. I would tell you tonight, we don't need those gifts because we have the completed Word of God in our hand. We have all 66 books. There's not 67. There's not 68. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. There's not a 69 and 70 being worked on right now. God said what He wanted to say, and it's finished and closed. Amen. All right, it's done. So we don't believe in that, and neither do we believe that you speak in tongues to prove you've been baptized by the Spirit of God. For by one Spirit are you baptized into one body. The, 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 the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He takes and He baptizes you into the body of Christ. 
you're put inside. And the Bible speaks about being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, as far as I'm concerned, sealed means exactly what it says, that God Almighty takes you through the power of the Holy Ghost and puts you into the body of Christ, and then you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, you know, I used to use the illustration about canning. How many of you have ever opened up a can of preserves or pickles or something like that that had somehow not kept very well? Anybody ever do that? When you open up that can, you know what, what was meant to be preserved, somehow it didn't get preserved. That is not the case with you and I. When you're baptized by one spirit in the body of Christ and you're sealed, you are kept until the day of redemption. And that person on the inside is pure in the eyes of God. Amen. 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 Now, we don't believe that. We don't believe in baptism for the dead either. There are people that take 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and they would say this baptism has to do with baptism of the dead. And they believe that you get baptized for someone else. And by doing that, that you give them some sort of insight and passage and, and help. And all I would tell you is this. Listen, none of us get baptized for the dead. The Bible's very clear in Psalm 49. You cannot give a ransom to God for anybody else because there's only been one ransom given for man, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. So there's nothing you can do to help somebody else in their salvation. So we don't believe in any of those. Well, what we believe in, we believe in baptism. And we believe that that baptism is immersion. Go, if you would, now to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. If I had one passage in the Bible to teach on baptism, it'd be Matthew 3. And there's multiple reasons for that. What I just showed you in Ephesians chapter 4 is that the most important baptism is not in the water. It's being baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ. But we believe in baptism in the water. We believe in believer's baptism. And if you look there in Matthew chapter 3, the Bible gives you very clearly that this baptizing is immersion. And the reason I say that is if you look there in verse 13, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan. Jordan is a river. So Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Now there are some people that think if I get baptized in the Jordan River, that'll do something special for me. The water in the Jordan River is no different than the water that runs in saluted a creek down there. If you get baptized in the water, that, that's good enough. It doesn't have to be in the Jordan River. There's nothing special about that. But Jesus comes to the Jordan River. And if you look in verse number 16, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. How many of you would agree with me if he went out of the water, he had to first be what? He had to be in the water. You can't get out of the water if you're not in the water. So Jesus was in the water. He was immersed. And we believe that that is the method of baptism. There's more I could say about that. But the purpose of this baptism, I want you to look at it now. Verse 15, John tells Jesus, I, I need to be baptized by you. Look at verse 15. Jesus answered, said unto him, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, baptism is a work of righteousness, but baptism cannot make you righteous. I'm going to say that again. Baptism is a work of righteousness, but it cannot make you righteous. The Bible's very clear that you and I, we ought to obey what God has told us to do. And the Bible's clear. In Matthew 28, the Bible says that you're to go into all nations, teaching them whatsoever I've commanded you. But first he says that we're to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I believe everybody ought to get baptized after you've been born again. 
If you're afraid of water, you still ought to get baptized after you've been born again. Can you imagine if we'd gotten saved, some of us back in the days when they baptized in the creek and you got saved in the wintertime? I mean, you know, sometimes we have a little difficulty with the heater up here. Sometimes it gets a little bit too warm. How many of you ever been in the baptistry when it was too warm? Anybody? I'm curious. Sometimes like a sauna, all right? And then sometimes it doesn't get warm enough and it gets cold. How many of you ever been in the baptistry when it's cold? I baptized people and they came up, they went, <gasps> Can you imagine being baptized in a creek in February? I think that'd be good enough for you to say, I think I need to put my baptism off. And I'm just telling you, the, the truth is that it's, it's something that we've been told to obey. It's an act of obedience. I think the first thing you should do, according to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 5, is tell somebody you've been saved. I think the first thing, when you get born again, the first thing you ought to do is tell somebody that you've been born again. Mark chapter 5, Jesus said, go home and tell thy friends how great things the Lord hath done for thee. How many of you think getting saved is a great thing? How many of you think getting saved is something done by the Lord? Would you say amen to that? So if you got saved, the first thing to do is to tell somebody about what God's done for you. But then we follow in believer's baptism because we have been instructed to do so. Look at it again now, verse 15. Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was being obedient. He was setting the precedent. He is showing us that he was obeying what he had been told to do and what he was going to tell his believers to do. So it's an act of obedience. The second thing about baptism is this. Look down at verse number um, 16. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Let me ask you a question. How many believe that's exactly what happened the day Jesus got baptized. That there was a voice from heaven, a voice from heaven. That's the Father's voice. The Father speaks from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's a matter of identification. God the Father wanted to be identified with His Son, Jesus Christ. Joseph was espoused and married to Mary, but Joseph was not the father of Jesus. God was the father of Jesus. And though Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and though he lived in a carpenter's house and was a carpenter himself, Jesus Christ was, no, was not just a carpenter. Jesus Christ was the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh. Amen. And so now God the Father is identifying himself with Jesus. He is being identified with Jesus Christ. This is my beloved son. So when you get baptized, you're being identified with Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell you, there are some men that I know that won't baptize somebody that hasn't gotten rid of the sin in their life. And the reason they do that is because they don't want somebody to be identified with Jesus that's in open sin. I think I can understand that. Maybe I'd say it this way. If, if you live a life where you drink on the weekends and then you say you get born again and you come and you don't quit your drinking on the weekends, it's probably a poor testimony for you to be identified with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is not drinking on the weekends. Right. I think when you get born again, your language ought to change. I think you ought to quit cursing. I think what you put in your mouth ought to change. 
I, th I think what you do with your eyes and your hands, life changes. And so Jesus Christ, Jesus is already, he's without spot, but he's baptized to be identified with the Father. That's the same thing true of you. Now, none of you heard a voice from heaven when you got baptized, right? You didn't hear a voice. But you were doing something and following the Lord and believers' baptism. Go to Romans 6 and look at that. Romans 6. Just touching a few passages of Scripture before I close out with what I think is really important for us to understand. That's why we're Baptist. We're Baptist because we believe in believers' baptism. Romans chapter 6. This is something you'll hear me say every time that I baptize somebody. When I baptize somebody, I'll say, buried with him, or buried with him in his likeness, raised to walk in newness of life. If you look down there in verse number 3, know ye not that so many of us, Romans 6, 3, were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also or even so we also should walk in newness of life. In other words, the picture is Jesus Christ died, was buried, <laughs> amen, and he got up on the third day glorified. You and I, born again, now we're showing we're burying that old man, that old life, and we're being raised to walk in newness of life. That's the picture. Now, let me show you how clear that picture is. That's why this is important. Look in verse, in your Bible, just underline, in verse number two, look what he says. He says, dead to sin. You see that in your Bible? In other words, I'm dead now to sin. Look at verse three. Baptized into his death. Verse four, baptism into death. Verse five, the likeness of his death. Verse six, crucified with him. Verse 8, dead with Christ. You see that? that? That is saying plainly that we are, we are dead to the world, dead now to that old man. We're putting off that old man that's dead in trespasses and sin. But we've been raised to walk in newness of life. We've buried that old man in those old ways and those old habits and those old appetites. But look what the Bible says. Now look at it in verse number 4. Look at this. Boy, I'm, I'm getting happy about that. Verse 4 says newness of life. Verse 5, the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 8, we shall also live with him. Verse 10, liveth unto God. Verse 11, alive, alive unto God. Hey, listen, when you got saved, the old man got put off and a new man got put on. There's, there's a man that's dead now and that, that was dead in trespasses and sin, but now I've got a new man that's alive unto God and alive unto Jesus Christ. Amen. I've got a spirit-filled man. Well, that's the picture. Buried in his likeness, raised to walk in newness of life. But that picture, are you listening to me? That picture has nothing to do with imparting salvation. Water cannot wash away sin. There is no baptism into water that can do that. And yet, there are so many religions that believe that. We don't baptize babies. Now, you may know somebody that does, and you may have been even asked to be a godparent for somebody that did. I'm telling you right now, I don't want any part of baptizing a baby. 
You say, why? Because when that child gets older, that child may think that there was something done that has now imparted something to them that's not true. We're all born sinners. Is that right? And we're all sinners until we get born again. Is that right? So I don't need to have somebody thinking that maybe they've got some kind of spark of divinity or, or that there's maybe something that's been added to their life by being baptized. Not at all. We only baptize people that have been born again. That's all we baptize. People that have already put off that old man. If you look in your Bible, and you can look in your Bible, there is no example anywhere of somebody being baptized before they believed. You can look in the Bible, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. That's the, really the key picture. Go to Acts chapter 8 just a moment. Acts 8. Here's why we, we're Baptists. We believe in believer's baptism. There are so many religions. And I, and I know that some of you, it's hard for you to understand what I'm saying. There are people that absolutely believe that baptism has something to do with washing away your sin. We don't believe that. That's one of the reasons we're Baptists. If you look there in Acts chapter 8, the Bible says in verse 35 that Philip opens his mouth and begins at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. I think that's still the right message to preach, don't you? Yeah. Verse 36, and they went on their way. They came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Why can't I get baptized? I, I've got this scroll of Isaiah. I've been down to Jerusalem to worship, and now, now I've heard you preach Jesus. Hey, can I just get baptized? Look at the very next verse. It's taken out of the new Bibles. Verse 37, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? When he says that, he's tying that into Isaiah chapter 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. That God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He's saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's the man in Isaiah 53. And when he says that, verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both in the water. Again, immersion, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So throughout the Bible, Paul believes in Acts chapter 9, and then he's baptized. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius believes in his house, and then they're baptized. In Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer believes, and then he and his house are baptized. Throughout the Bible, example after example, somebody believes, and then they're baptized. We do not baptize before somebody believes. And that makes you very unique. We believe that, listen, we're Baptists also because we believe the Bible is the Word of God. So what I'm teaching right now is not about something in our creed. We, we don't live by creed. We don't live by confession. The Westminster Confession. Listen, we live by what we find in the Bible. So when the Bible addresses baptism, then we want to line up with what the Bible says about baptism and Jesus being baptized as a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. He's being obedient and he is being identified as the Son of God. Now, now, that's important, and I'm going to give you just a couple of things, and we're finished. Look at John chapter 20. We'll turn to about five more scriptures. we got just a few minutes. When I say that we believe in believer's baptism by immersion after somebody's been saved, and it has nothing to do with our salvation, that really is a very central tenet 
of being a Baptist. Now, that being said, look at John chapter 20. Look at verse number 21. The testimony of the book of John is this. Verse 31, John 20, verse 31. That's the book in verse 30. It's just a, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So there's a lot that was left out of the book of John. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Here's what I want to tell you. The testimony of the gospel of John is that faith is what brings salvation. That's in John chapter 1 and verse 12. Listen, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But in John 3, 16, we're given, we're told that he came, he came for the purpose of giving us eternal life to those that believe. And throughout the book of John, it is over and over again. Salvation comes by faith in Jesus, not by water baptism. That's the testimony of the book of John. These are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So baptism does not bring salvation. Look at it again there in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 23, Luke 23, Matthew, Mark, Luke 23. Luke chapter 23, look what the Bible says. Jesus Christ being crucified there at Calvary. On one side is a thief, on the other side is another thief. Both men start out saying the same thing, but one, one comes to himself, and he decides that who he is hanging next to is the Son of God. Look what he says in verse number 41. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Jesus gives up the ghost and he goes to paradise. That thief dies afterwards. And you know where he goes? He goes to paradise. When Jesus told him today, shalt thou be with me in paradise, that's exactly what, that's exactly what happened. And here, here's what I'd like to tell you. The testimony of the thief on the cross, there is no baptism that takes place before that thief goes to paradise. I have talked to people that have said, well, he got baptized before this. Well, if he got baptized before this, He's hanging on a cross because he's guilty of a sin. He's going to have to get baptized again if baptismal regeneration saves you. And I'm telling you right now, that, that thief didn't get baptized. He breathed his last breath. But because, are you listening? Because he put faith in Jesus, he ended up in paradise is what he ended up. Did anything to do with being sprinkled or being washed or being dipped? Had anything to do with being in a baptistry? It had to do with putting faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's testimony of the thief. If you had asked the thief on the cross that went to paradise and now is in heaven, you know what he'd tell you? I got to heaven by putting my faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he'd tell you. All right, look in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. We believe in baptism, but we know that baptism has no saving ability. That makes us Baptist. Revelation chapter 1. I ask you if you could take the Bible and show somebody five verses that would say we don't believe that baptism saves. Well, this is, this is where that is. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, look at the Bible says in verse number 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us 
and washed us from our sins. Can you say the next four words with me? In his own blood. The Bible is very clear. The only thing that washes away sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, you had the blood of goats and of bulls and of lambs and of doves. And you know what happened? That, those, that, that blood would take and it would cover. It would cover the sin. There would be a covering for a year at the, at the uh, Day of Atonement. But that covering was just a covering. It's like when your child or somebody at home has been told to clean up their room and they take and they shove it all underneath the carpet and you come in and there's a lump underneath there and they think, well, it's all clean now because you can't see it. It may be underneath there and covered, but it hadn't been taken away. Are you listening to me? When Jesus Christ died at Calvary, the blood of Jesus Christ didn't just cover our sins. It took them all away. They're gone. Gone. And that only comes through the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Water can't, water can't wash away your sin. Water can't wash away your sin. And then go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians chapter 15 if you don't know where to find the gospel in the Bible, this is where you find the gospel. Now, there are many gospels that are out there. Just like there are many Christs that are out there. There's only one Jesus. And church, there's only one gospel. That one gospel is found in 1 Corinthians 15. And the Bible is very clear. Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. He says, I'm going to tell you what the gospel is. Which I preached unto you. It's the same gospel that Paul preached. Which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. It's the gospel that saved. Look at verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Now listen. The gospel of Christ is the power of God and salvation. Now watch. The gospel is Jesus Christ died for our sins, Jesus Christ was buried, and Jesus Christ rose again the third day. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But a man's gospel will sound something like this. You have to repent, you have to believe, you have to confess, and you have to be baptized. It's all about what you have to do instead of what Jesus has already taken care of. And I'm telling you right now, the gospel has no mention of baptism anywhere in the chapter, and it doesn't have any, at least in the far as being baptized into what, there is no baptism there. It's all about what Jesus Christ did. So listen, the gospel excludes baptism because Jesus was enough to get the job done. Jesus was enough to get the job done. He finished the work all by himself. Boy, I'm glad, hey, I'm glad I can't add one thing to what Jesus Christ did. It, it, my works won't add anything. Being good won't add anything. Getting baptized won't add anything. He finished it once and for all when he breathed his last breath and said, it is finished. Three days later, walked out of the tomb. He took care of the, he took care of the problem. Amen. But water is nowhere in the gospel, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, that being said, we don't believe that baptism saves, but we do believe it identifies, and we do believe it's an act of obedience. And we don't baptize babies, 
and we don't baptize to wash away sins, and we don't baptize to put you into the church, that all comes through the Holy Ghost through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. So how many of you think you got some ammunition for baptism tonight? You think you do? You got something you could be able to show somebody? I remember I told the Church of Christ that I was witnessing one time too, and we were talking, and he brought up, I told him what the gospel was, and and he said, well, you got to repent, confess, and believe, and be baptized. And I said, listen, I'll tell you what, I've repented. And I confessed my sin. And I have believed, and I've been baptized. Am I saved? And he said, no, unless you've been baptized in a Church of Christ church. Now, I know people don't believe that. So I asked him a couple of questions. Do you think that that water in your baptistry becomes the blood of Christ? We don't believe in transubstantiation when it comes to communion. We certainly don't believe that the water in that baptistry becomes the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed one time. And then I asked him another question. I said, listen, <laughs> we're on the same water system. We, 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 have the same, we have the same utility company. Are you telling me the water in your baptistry is different than the water in my baptistry? You know what his answer was? Yep. Because people have an idea, I got to get in the water to get clean from my sin. No, you don't. You got to get under the blood. Got to get under the blood. All right. All right. If you'd stand to your feet, please. Foundations, truths that you need to know, truths that you can handle from the Bible, important truths tonight. Important truths. All right, Lord, thank you for the Bible that gives us clear direction. And Lord, we are Baptists because we believe it's a New Testament position, Lord. We believe that. And Lord, we believe in baptism. We believe in baptism into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God. And Lord, we believe in believers' baptism as a picture and testimony to others that we've been born again. And I pray, God, you'd help us to, to take these truths and that we'd be able to speak about them intelligently with our neighbors who perhaps have been told something else, Lord. As I was reminded tonight coming back to church about the Islamic center that I passed and the car that had the rosary on the back of it. Lord, there's a world full of people that claim to be Christian, that claim to be going to heaven. And God, we know that there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Pray you'd help us to be able to put that truth out, Lord. And we'll give you the thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Rolf, won't you come? And let's just have a word of prayer, if you would, right quick. I'm glad I'm saved by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus. I was actually brought up Catholic, and they believe that uh, baptism wash away original sin. I'm glad it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Let me just share a verse real quick. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1, and this is what Paul said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be saved. And the reason why we're coming together tonight is to pray for one another's loved ones. And I know Paul prayed for Israel. That was his, that was his nation that was his people. So, men, if y'all would, would you bring these baskets? And if you would come down, and if you'd take um, a couple of these cards, and let's have a season of prayer, praying for one another's loved ones, lost loved ones. So let's pray.